Hello and welcome to another American Bankruptcy Institute podcast. I'm Sam Giordano, Executive Director of ABI. Today's guest is a good friend and leading bankruptcy academic, Lois Lupica. She's the Maine Law Foundation Professor of Law at the University of Maine School of Law and a past resident scholar at the American Bankruptcy Institute. A graduate of Cornell University and Boston University School of Law, she practiced with major law firms such as Arnold and Porter and White and Case before turning to teaching and research. Her scholarship has focused on commercial law topics such as securitizations, Article 9, and intellectual property issues, though she's also published in the consumer bankruptcy area as well. She's the co-author of a new study of the long-term consequences of filing for bankruptcy, published in the spring issue of the American Bankruptcy Institute Law Review. The article is titled, A Study of Consumers' Post-Discharge Finances, Struggle, Stasis, or Fresh Start. The study looks at what happens to consumers' financial lives after they experience the financial stress that leads them to file for bankruptcy. The study seeks to address how long it takes for these filers to catch up with those of their peers who don't go through bankruptcy in terms of the ability to get access to affordable credit, buy a car, a home, and build up some savings. So, Lois, welcome to uh, ABI Podcast. I'm pleased to be here. So, what would you say uh, are the key findings of your research? Well, Jay and I, Jay Zagorski, who is an economist and a research scientist at Ohio State University, and my co-author, we came up with two key sets of findings. The first one identified some characteristics of filers as compared to non-filers. This study was one of the first, one of the few studies and one of the first studies to compare cohort of bankruptcy filers to non-filers using longitudinal data. So what we found with respect to bankruptcy filers is that they were more likely to own a vehicle. And what, what you need to recognize is that every time you get a piece of data, it raises more questions in some sense than it answers. So, for example, we don't know why bankruptcy filers are more likely to own a vehicle. It could be that they're more likely to live outside of a city or in places without public transportation. We just don't know that. But what we did discover is that filers are more likely to own a vehicle and they correspondingly have more car debt. They are less likely to own a, own a home and thus less likely to have a mortgage. A not so surprising finding is that they're less likely to have savings and filers have lower wages on average and they are less likely to work full time. The, the second key set of findings involves really the core of our study, uh, which is the financial impact of bankruptcy over time, which is the recovery or fresh start question. And I can outline in some detail some of those findings. Sure. Okay. So as, as I noticed, or as I just noted, uh, 
just mentioned, bankruptcy filers have a high probability of owning a car, having a mortgage, having some savings, and being employed full-time, more than non-filers. In fact, filers were ahead of non-filers, according to these indicators, looking at the issue over time. But bankruptcy filers were less likely to own a home or have a credit card. But interestingly, they did catch up with their peers over time. With respect to other indicators, let's look at income. Income of bankruptcy filers was considerably lower than among non-filers. But after a period of 13 years, bankruptcy filers caught up with their peers. Now, that's, that's a very interesting finding, particularly in light of the study conducted by uh, Katie Porter and Deb Thorne, mm-hmm. the failure of bankruptcy fresh start. And their survey was conducted of bankruptcy filers after a certain period of time, I believe it was a year after filing. And they looked similarly at the issue of the impact of discharge. And what they found was that income was the most important factor in uh, determining whether or not a fresh start of some sort was experienced by the bankruptcy filers, that there was some form of recovery. And what we found with respect to income is that On average, it takes 13 years to have, in essence, an income recovery. We found a similar trend with respect to net worth of filers versus non-filers. We found net worth was considerably lower among bankruptcy filers than non-filers. And it took 26 years for filers to catch up with their non-filing peers. Wow. I mean, that is certainly a much longer period of time than the, the, the credit industry re- represents when they are trying to discourage people from filing. They, they speak of mm-hmm. bankruptcy as the 10-year mistake. This sounds like a, a much longer period. Were you, were you surprised by uh, some of these findings in terms of the catch-up period? Yeah, I, I think the 26, particularly the issue of net worth seems to be an extraordinary period of time. I'm 26 years is you know, a, a third of a lifetime. Although I didn't necessarily go into the study with any specific expectations, I, I found two things interesting. One, that non-filers, according to the wealth proxies that we looked at, do catch up. But I think the length of time is indeed surprising. And I think the issue loops back to the, the question of how one would define the financial distress that precipitates consumers' bankruptcy filings. I mean, it seems very self-evident that if the financial distress that triggers the filing is a one-time occurrence of more debt than readily be repaid, well, then the discharge specifically addresses that narrow 
confined type of crisis. But if financial distress is, as we say in the paper, a symptom of the confluence of a complex web of social, economic, and financial conditions, Mm -hmm. then perhaps the discharge working alone doesn't provide adequate solutions. And I think if we're looking at income measures of bankruptcy filers as measured against income, the income of non-filers, and net worth measures uh, as compared to non-filers, if we're looking at decades to recover, it it raises a, a very question about the efficacy of the discharge. I mean, a lot more uh, struggle than fresh start, certainly, to borrow from uh, the title of your piece. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. I mean, is it is it then uh, the fact that uh, Chapter 7's promised fresh start is uh, more of a slogan than a reality? Yeah, I think, think it is a slogan, and slogans are, are useful as uh, shorthand descriptions. And again, I think for some filers, it, it might be, but as other bankruptcy studies have shown over the past decade, bankruptcy precipitates, precipitates are far more complex. I think you have to look at an individual's entire economic picture to get a full explanation as to why bankruptcy is filed at the time it's filed. And... Um, generally, the problems are, are layered and multifaceted. And if we're talking about recovery, um, recovery means more than simply a uh, quick discharge of right. the current state of indebtedness. Um, it, it raises the question as to whether or not there needs to be a multi-pronged approach that addresses issues of long-term income, long-term savings, health care, employment security, and so on and so forth. Uh, right. Quite apart from the sort of immediate need to file, which may stave off collection efforts, uh, mm-hmm. a repossession, uh, there's sort of a, a bifurcation between the benefits that one receives immediately, the benefits of the automatic stay most obviously, Yes. Uh, and and this other sort of long term issue. Yes. Did you find differences between chapters uh, in terms of the long term recovery and catch up period? The differences between those in the sample that uh, file for Chapter Seven and those who file for Chapter Thirteen. Uh, we did. Uh, we found that respondents filing under Chapter Seven take longer to catch up. Um, and again, uh, we measured this with reference to a number of financially related indicators. So again, anytime you gather some data, it has to be read in light of um, what other studies have found. Generally, Chapter 7 debtors have greater amount of debt, have lower income, have lower net worth. So perhaps that um, offers uh, an, an added explanation as to why that's the case. What about the effect? Uh, I realize your, your study captured filers and data before the 2005 amendments. 
mm-hmm. to, to the bankruptcy code. And obviously, we all acknowledge that the 2005 amendments made a number of significant changes in consumer bankruptcy uh, that go uh, in part to the issue of of debts uh, lingering, if you will, longer than they would pre-amendments. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, reduction of the super discharge in Chapter 13, uh, auto loans that can't be lien-stripped uh, as easily, and a variety of other uh, debts that are either uh, presumed non-dischargeable or, in fact, are non-dischargeable. Can you, uh, based on what you know, can you speculate on, on, on what the effect of the new law might be uh, with regard to recovery periods? As you noted, we used data gathered in 2004, which was the first year in this study which has been conducted since 1979, the same group of consumers have been interviewed 23 times since that period. But bankruptcy questions were only first introduced in 2004. So this data does not reflect the BAPSIPA amendment. Currently, the same group of individuals are being interviewed again, and bankruptcy questions are being asked. So we should have that data with respect to BAPSIPA and its effects in 2010. So until we get that information, we're, we're left with predictions. And given some of the changes, the elimination of many of the super discharge provisions and, and all the other changes you mentioned, Sam, my prediction is that recovery will take even longer mm-hmm. because discharge impact is lessened under the statute, and so the more deaths that survive the bankruptcy, individual bankruptcy, the more those deaths will affect measures of net worth, you know, perhaps not affect income levels, but certainly net worth and savings indicators. If you think... It will be that- interesting to look at the data when it is right right uh, to uh, to compare what impact do you think it might have um, since this in this kind of information isn't available to consumers now at the uh, front end of the process for example as part of the new law amendments uh, individuals are required to go through consumer credit counseling before they're even eligible to file and essentially now have to have a a uh, consumer credit counseling uh, admission ticket, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. to get into bankruptcy court. If if this sort of data could be boiled down uh, in a way and made available to people, again, it, it, acknowledging that they're faced with a lot of immediate pressing concerns, creditor collection calls and tactics, and all and all the rest. Do you think mm-hmm. it might affect? their decision to even file for bankruptcy if they if they knew that their recovery or snapback uh, time, if you will, uh, were going to be longer if they, if they took the bankruptcy fork in the road? Well, I think what needs to be clear is that bankruptcy is not the problem. In other words, not filing for bankruptcy doesn't mean that recovery will be any faster. 
I think if we can draw any tentative conclusions from this study and from Professor Porter and Professor Thorne's study is that bankruptcy's discharge is an incomplete solution to the problem of financial distress. So, so we need a more muscular discharge uh, uh, to, to help there. Perhaps a more muscular discharge coupled with a multi-pronged approach to the underlying problems mm-hmm. that are faced by individual debtors. But giving this type or releasing this data in an accessible way to people who are um, considering filing will likely be disturbing, but I don't think it will affect people's decision in a way that they would be more hesitant to file for bankruptcy. Because whether or not the discharge provides a long-term solution, it unquestionably provides a short-term solution. And, you know, the bankruptcy filing day is like going into the emergency room to stop a hemorrhage. Um, Mm -hmm. Hemorrhage has to stop. Mm -hmm. And as you noted, you know, through the the force of of the automatic stay and then subsequent judicial oversight of repayment, the the hemorrhage does stop. It's just that long-term recovery may not be what people, or may not be as quickly realized as people may hope it would be. Right. What we need help in is the, uh, to continue the analogy, this kind of, uh, you know, after surgery therapy and, uh, and help with the array of problems that are probably still present. Mm-hmm. If you've, uh, you know, if you've had the, the interruption in income because of a loss of a job and, and with it a loss of medical insurance or if, if uh, your problems were a family breakup, well, the family's probably still broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, post uh, discharge, so you you know you haven't dealt with those underlying contributing factors, and of course you know no bankruptcy mirror bankruptcy law can do that. Right, and, and that's not necessarily the the role or the task of bankruptcy, but I think one important fact to consider is that you can't just point to the bankruptcy system as the only tool out there to help someone in financial stress. That the bankruptcy tool has to be looked at in as part of a holistic system. And I, I think that kind of long term big picture perspective is is often missing amongst policymakers. Right. Oh I, there's no question about it. Um, it just makes it uh, frightening when you consider as the, you cited the statistics in terms of uh, at least you know, generationally, more Americans filing for bankruptcy than in previous eras, both in in real terms, obviously, and in the percentage of households filing for bankruptcy from uh, 1965, what, one quarter of 1%. Mm-hmm. Forty years later, nearly 1.5% of all households going through the bankruptcy process. And Giving what you also pointed out, we know in terms of the demographics and the problems going going in, as you know, we're here in 2008 in a you know economic environment that is sort of unstable at best. It uh, 
I think it's fairly alarming um, about you know what's going to happen uh, to real people and and their families mm-hmm. as they you know embark on this really uh, period chapter whatever you want to call it of their of their lives. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, these, these are very difficult economic times, and you know, I think academic policymakers are are looking for good policy decisions to try to help people out of this maelstrom uh, tied to the, the credit crisis, the healthcare crisis, the employment crisis, and that the problems are are compounding. And, and alarming. Um, and they do and, tend to go together. Uh, mm-hmm. It's usually uh, for this uh, population, it's not simply an isolated problem that can be easily fixed. It, it tends to be, you know, something that's uh, uh, de- developed over time and been exacerbated you know, by time. Um, and it's not a single cause and effect. And that makes it very difficult to uh, affect this kind of cure. So in that respect, again, we have to caution against, I guess, putting too much reliance on the mere bankruptcy law as a sort of solution right. to so the bigger picture. Right, certainly not a that, one-stop solution. Right. Um, you know, back to your... No, back it, to your it, it does help an awful lot of people out of their short-term crisis, but since this study is looking at longitudinal data, it's very interesting to see impact it has over the long term, and it's, it may well have a positive impact, but it doesn't provide this immediate fresh start vision, this, this very rosy, optimistic idea of full, complete, and certainly not immediate recovery. Mm-hmm. What do you think, given uh, your, your work in this area, what do you think is the next step in terms of greater uh, study and research and understanding about uh, about this period that would really help inform the policy debate to come, do you think? Well, I think the, the next thing to look at now that we have data confirming what many of us have understood from working with debtors and talking to debtors pre- and post-discharge is how can we address the conditions that lead to such severe financial distress on such a wide scale? And two places to start. Number one, look at the consumer credit market. While the causes of bankruptcy generally tied to credit, that's just too facile an explanation. Debt is incurred because something is needed. Debt is used by many consumers as a substitute for Mm -hmm. savings or income. Uh, Debt has become, in essence, and this sounds a little counterintuitive, but debt has become the social safety net. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's a short-term safety net because in the absence of income or savings, if someone can use a credit card, 
well, they can get what they need. They can pick up the prescription. They can pay the rent. They can pay daycare. But the bill rocks, and the bill compounds, and the credit terms presented to consumers, which are now very much in the news and a spotlight has been shined on some of the more egregious practices, right. make it very easy to incur very high balances very quickly. We need to address that issue. And it's nice to see that public attention has finally been focused on the issues of consumer credit. The second issue that needs to be addressed is the issue of health care. Many, many Americans are uninsured. Many Americans are underinsured. And it doesn't take much of a health crisis to send someone into debt at levels beyond which most people can repay in the absence of adequate health insurance. So if we, we target our attention those two areas, we will go a long way to working with Americans and helping Americans not only recover from financial distress, but avoid getting into financial distress in the first place. Well, there's obviously lots more we need to uh, learn and and understand uh, and then kind of craft uh, solutions uh, from there, uh, hopefully. It's a very uh, complex uh, area, no question about it. Uh, Lois, we've uh, just about run out of time for today. I, I wanted to thank our guest, uh, Lois Lapica, for a thoughtful look at an important issue in today's modern uh, bankruptcy uh, debates on the consumer side. And uh, we thank her for taking the time to share her finding with us. We thank you for listening. You can see the full uh, rundown of more than 50 uh, podcasts. Uh, on our website, which is abiworld.org. And until next time then, for ABI Podcast, this is Sam Giordano saying good day.